0: Welcome to the Locking Castle Church podcast. This Sunday morning teaching was given as part of the Spirit-led summer series. Because as St. Augustine said, the old is in the new revealed and the new is in the old concealed. As you read through the Old Testament, I love looking For the pictures of Jesus, for for signs of his coming. And they are there right the way through the whole of the Old Testament, if you if you know where to look, and I I just love going digging and finding God in these really sometimes a bit difficult or interesting passages. So, often, if I'm given the opportunity of, like, preach whatever you want, I will often find myself in the Old Testament. Uh, God just speaks to me a lot through that. So, I don't know about you, but you, you're probably finding this passage a little bit challenging. <laughs> you know, like, God, why do, why do you do that? How come the God of the Old Testament seems to be so different from the God of the New? And we have all these these questions that we can battle with. But, you know, God's big enough to deal with our questions. And that's why I think it's good sometimes to look at these kind of uh, subjects and just see what God's saying. And, what Lord, what relevance do they have for us today? So I need to give you some of the background to the story. And as I was preparing this, I was finding, like, Lord, I really need to try and compress the background, otherwise I'm not actually going to get to speak on the passage, because there's so much that you can draw out of this. So if you want to, if you're bored this afternoon or, you know, you've got nothing better to do, if you want to read the rest of the story that I'm going to try and summarize for you, Um, you'll find it in 1 Samuel chapters 4 to 7. So it's quite long, that's why I haven't had it all read out, um, because we'd still be here at 4 o'clock this afternoon. But if you want some homework, or you want to go and dig a bit deeper, go and read 1 Samuel chapters 4 to 7, and just see what it says. So to give you, try and give you a bit of a shortened version of this story... The Israelites and the Philistines were fighting. It happened frequently throughout the history of Israel. The Philistines would come against them. They would take their their crops. You remember um, Goliath coming against them. He was a Philistine. And they were constantly fighting. And so here, they were fighting again. And the Philistines came against the Israelites and the Israelites lost, and they couldn't understand it, like, what has happened? Why have we lost? And so they decided that what they would do was they would go and take the Ark of the Covenant, this most holy, sacred, precious object, and they would take it with them like a talisman into battle and they thought, we can't lose. If we take the Ark of the Covenant with us into battle, we cannot lose. Now, the Ark of the Covenant, I don't know if you, you know this, but this was a box. It was covered with gold, and it had a lid on the top of it with two cherubims on it, with their wings outstretched and touching. You can see illustrations of it, and it was kept in the tabernacle in the tent. And it was so precious that only once a year was the high priest allowed to go in to offer one sacrifice. And he would sprinkle blood on top of the Ark of the Covenant on what's known as the mercy seat, which is what we sang in one of the previous songs. And it was the blood of a lamb That was shed to take away the sin of the people. And there we have a picture of Jesus, the Lamb of God who came to take away the sin of the world. Right there in the Old Testament, we have this picture of Jesus that one day there would be a sacrifice that would take away. The sin it wouldn't have to be, you keep continuing, coming back, sacrificing, because Jesus, being the perfect sacrifice, would deal with our sin once and for all. The Ark of the Covenant was known as the presence of God, the Ark of the Presence, because God dwelt there at the mercy seat. And so this was holy and precious. They were not allowed to touch it. Within it were the stone tablets with the Ten Commandments. There was also some manna from when the Israelites were wandering around in the wilderness for 40 years. And also Aaron's staff, which had budded when it was placed in the presence of God. Not only did it bud, that's a whole other sermon which I could preach, which I better not go into, Uh, but it didn't just bud, this old dry stick. When it was in the presence of God, it budded, bore flowers, and bore, bore fruit overnight because God was speaking. So, it was a really precious thing that they had. And the Israelites had taken the Ark of the Covenant into battle with them before, but only when God had told them to. So as they were walking around, um, sorry, I'm quite, I find it hard preaching twice in a morning. When they were walking around Jericho, thank you, Dave, um, the Ark of the Covenant led the way, and the walls fell down, if you remember the story because they obeyed God. But the difference here in this story was that they didn't ask God what they should do. They went out to battle against the Philistines, and they lost. So they decided on their own that they would take away with them the Ark of the Covenant, and they would take it into battle. And it was, it was a bit like... Uh, like a talisman, like a good luck symbol. You see, they'd missed the whole point because the whole point of the Ark of the Covenant was to remind them to seek after the God of the Covenant, the one who loved them and made a way for them. But instead of doing that, they simply took this object with them and thought that the object itself would save them and bring them victory into battle. You know, it's a bit like us today. Sometimes we wear a cross or maybe a St. Christopher and and it's almost like we think that is the thing that will keep us safe. Well, I'm wearing my cross so I'll be okay. But actually the whole point of wearing a cross or maybe a St. Christopher is to remind us to seek after God Himself. It's not the object. The object doesn't have magical powers. It's about us seeking after God Himself and finding His guiding and His direction for our lives. The ark was the symbol of God's presence with them, it was holy, not to be touched. And so the Israelites could not believe it when the Philistines captured it. They defeated them in battle, killed thousands of their people, and took the Ark of the Covenant away from them. You know, at that moment, they must have felt total despair. Not only had they lost the battle, but they'd lost this precious artifact as well. You know, the the spirit over the area here is the spirit of despair. And we are to come against that with hope and with the presence of God. That is what will defeat the spirit of despair. And so they took, the Philistines took the Ark of the Covenant And they held it like a trophy and placed it in the temple of their god, Dagon. And if you read through the the chapters of the story, you'll see a fascinating thing that happens. Because they place it in the temple, like, look what we've done. We've won this great victory. And actually, what happens is two mornings, one after the other, they go into the temple the next morning And this enormous statue of their God has fallen on its face before Almighty God. The second time, because the first time they just put it back up again, the second time, not only does it fall, but its head and its hands are broken off. They recognized that this was the power of Almighty God. They recognized that the God of the Israelites was all-powerful. And yet they stuck their idol back together and put it back up again. Instead of submitting to God Almighty. You know, that is, is such a challenge to us. How often... Do we, instead of submitting to God when he challenges us and speaks to us, do we instead just try and put back together in our own strength whatever has gone wrong and carry on doing whatever we were doing before? Not only did the idol that they worshipped fall over before Almighty God, but they were inflicted with tumors, very painful. And they were so afraid of this presence of God that they decided actually they didn't want to keep the Ark of the Covenant any longer. And so after a few moving it around and taking it to different places, they put it on a new cart and they sent it back to Israel. Israel they're like we don't we can't handle this we don't want it and so it ended up back in israel you know when people come face to face with the presence of the lord this is often their reaction i don't know how you felt during the worship this morning i love the presence of god in worship But I know it makes some people feel really uncomfortable when everything goes quiet and people think, well, I'm not sure what I'm supposed to do now. What am I supposed to do? Everybody's gone quiet. There's no words on the screen that I'm following. Well, that's the time for you to encounter God for yourself, to use your own words to worship God Almighty. Do you remember Peter's response when he first had an encounter with Jesus? He said, Get away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. He came face to face with the presence of God and he recognized the true state of himself. I'm not worthy. I can't be in your presence. As it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 2 and verses 15 and 16. For we are to guard the aroma of Christ among those who are being saved and, and those who are perishing. To the one, we are the smell of death because it's so challenging. To the other, the fragrance of life. The presence of God, when it comes, divides. Do you remember the Holy Spirit is talked about as a, as a sword, two-edged sword dividing soul from spirit, bone from marrow. The presence of God, when it comes, divides people. And people will either flee and back away, try and send God back where he belongs, or they will surrender and submit their lives to him. And the Lord is calling us in this day, in this season, to draw closer to him, to surrender our lives afresh to him. The Philistines refused to submit to God. And so they sent Ark of the Covenant back on a cart. And it ends up at Abinadab's house. And it stays there for 20 years. For 20 years, Abinadab has the Ark of the Covenant, the symbol of the presence of God, in his house. You know, people were afraid of the presence of God. And yet Abinadab welcomed the presence. And because he welcomed the presence of God into his home and his family, his home and his family were blessed. Abinadab means my father is willing. My father is willing. Isn't that an interesting name? In the context of Of what he does here. When people were afraid to host the presence of God, Abinadab was willing. Not only was he willing, but he opened his home to the presence of God. Are we willing to host the presence of God? Are we willing to have the presence of God come and stay? Come and live within us. Come and live in our homes. Dwell with us. I want you to just think for a moment about that first day when the Ark of the Covenant turned up at Abinadab's house. Imagine that it was turning up at your house today. How would that make you feel? I wonder if you'd run home and think, just give me five minutes, I just just need to tidy up, I just need to clean up a bit. A bit like if someone, I know Dave sometimes says, oh, I'm just bringing someone back, and I'm looking around and I'm thinking... Okay, how much can I tidy and clear in five minutes? The five minutes that it's going to take Dave to come back. But don't we act like that with Jesus? When we do something wrong, we feel like we've got to clean up our lives, prepare for him, instead of just welcoming him in. Because he knows what we're like. He knows everything about us, so we don't need to be afraid to open up our lives to him and let him come in and have a good look. But I just wonder, where would you put the Ark of the Covenant if it turned up at your house? Bear in mind, you know you're not supposed to touch it. Do you put it in your living room, right in the middle, so everyone sees it every time they come and you see it every day? Or do you find a little back room somewhere where it will be hidden away? Do we host the presence of God in our lives in a visible way? up front so everyone can see? Or do we hide him away in a back room somewhere, not letting people know that actually, as children of Almighty God, we carry the presence of God wherever we go? I often talk about chameleon Christians those that change and adapt to blend in wherever they are so if you're in church with people who are worshiping you're right up there worshiping but if you're with people who don't believe you you sort of blend in you use the kind of language that they use you have the attitudes that they have because you don't want them to question huh why did you say that are you a christian Do you go to church? Sometimes we're afraid to host the presence of God in a public way because we don't want to deal with the questions that we might get asked. And I wonder if the Ark of the Covenant was coming to dwell in your home physical home or your physical person? What do you have to move out of the way to make room for him? Is there anything in our lives that actually we need to jettison to make room for the presence of God within us? In our reading today, in 2 Samuels, chapter 6, verses 1 to 12, we see King David longing to bring back the Ark of the Covenant to Jerusalem. He's made Jerusalem the main city in Israel. It's where he lives. But he wants to make it the spiritual heart of Israel as well. And he knows to do that, he needs to bring the Ark of the Covenant back to Israel. And so he goes with all these men, 30,000 men, and they put the Ark of the Covenant on a new cart. And they're playing their instruments, they're singing, they're praising God for all they are worth. And yet... He hasn't asked the Lord, how should I do this? When should I do this? He's still not learned 20 years on from the ark being captured by the Philistines and still they're making the same mistake. And don't we do that as well? Instead of learning, I need to go and ask God what to do in this situation. We use our worldly wisdom. And we plan and we strategize. And then we wonder why it all goes wrong. Because we've not trusted God in everything. David, instead of following God's plan, which he already had, for how the Ark was to be transported, he follows the, the Philistines' way, the world's way, and he sticks the Ark of the Covenant on a new cart. How often do we follow the world's way in making decisions rather than following the plans and precepts set down by God. Uzzah and Ahio, whose name I can never say, are sons of Abinadab. And they are given the responsibility of transporting the Ark of the Covenant. It says in some versions that they were driving the cart. And it says that one was walking in front and Uzzah was walking at the side. They were guiding or driving the cart that the presence of God was resting on. You know, they had had the Ark of the Covenant in their home for 20 years. I don't know how old they were when it came. I don't know whether they were young children or teenagers or maybe in their early 20s. But it had been there for a substantial part of their life. And I just wonder, had they become so familiar with the Ark of the Covenant, with the presence of God in their home, that they'd forgotten to honor God rightly. How many of us growing up in Christian homes, full of the, the Spirit of God, going to things and, and being aware of God's presence, and then we leave home and we suddenly realize, oh, life out there is actually pretty difficult without the presence of God. We become so familiar that we don't treat God with the honor that he deserves. You know, I often think of, this is just the way my mind works, but I often think of Mrs. Abinadab with this Ark of the Covenant somewhere in her home and thinking, I wonder if I should just take a duster to it. You know, 20 years in a dusty environment Surely it's going to get a layer of dust I mean, surely, you know, just, just flick it over with the duster. How familiar do we become with the presence of God? And so not honor God in the way he deserves. You know, we hear so often people talking about God's love. Oh, God, God, God's love. God loves us. He loves us. Oh God God loves me. He knows what I'm like. So he doesn't mind the things that I do that display. He doesn't really mind. He doesn't mind that I do these things even though he's told me that I shouldn't. Because he loves me. And the truth is yes. God does love you. He loves each and every one of us. But he's also a holy God. That we have to take seriously. We need to honor him with our lives. God takes sin so seriously that he sent his son Jesus to die for us. We heard in the, the message, I think it was last Sunday, from Simon, about sin. And about the sacrifice of Jesus. You see, God takes it so seriously, He was willing to sacrifice His Son to deal with it. Not so that we could enjoy carrying on sinning, but so that we could be set free, so that we no longer have to sin. We are set free from that. We were in prison, and Jesus came and set us free. And yet, so often, we just treat God as something, well, yeah, he's always around and he looks after me. But here we have Uzza, whose name means strength, deciding to reach out and touch the Ark of the Covenant. He's trying to help, as if God needs our help. He's trying to help by doing the thing that he should know not to do. He's trying to put things right in his own strength. And yet God tells us over and over and over again, That we are not to do things in our own strength. We are to surrender and submit our lives to Him. The ark was to be carried not on a cart, but on poles carried by the priests, the Levites. That was the way to do it. It didn't matter that they were worshipping God with all their might. Whilst it was being driven on a cart, they were not submitting to God. You know, we can, we can sing, we can worship, we can shout, we can dance. We can be so enthusiastic, enjoying ourselves in the presence of God, and yet still not be obedient to Him. God wasn't interested in their worship, He was interested in their obedience. And so He gave them a shock. He had to make them realize that he was a holy God. And that if they were bringing the Ark of the Covenant back, if they were reinstituting worship, that it had to be done correctly. They were still doing things their own way. Not fully submitted to the Lord. What are we doing in our own strength rather than submitting to God? You know, we want the blessing. After this, it says that the the ark turned aside and went to Obed Edom's house. And it stayed there for three months. And it says the blessing of God came upon the whole household. Do we want the blessing of God? not just on us, but on our whole household. Then the way to do that is to submit our lives to God. As I said, the priests and the Levites were to carry the Ark of the Covenant, the presence of God, on their shoulders. The presence of God is not to be driven by human hands. It's to be carried in our lives. Do we want the blessing of God on our lives? Then we must learn to carry him aright. Amen. Thank you for listening. To find out more about Locking Castle Church, please visit our website at lockingcastlechurch.org.